welcome to Saird's Audio Fan Fictions. I'm Saird. Thanks for tuning in. In today's episode, we will be starting off a brand new fic entitled Her Way by Dreamweaver, a Buffy the Vampire Slayer fan fiction. Now, I don't know if you can hear it in my voice, but I am extremely excited to start on this. I originally started podcasting back in about 2005, 2006, around there. That was back when I was still in high school, and podcasts were really not a thing yet. I originally started off with just recording myself reading fanfiction so that I could take it on my MP3 player for my walks to school each morning. That then steamrolled into becoming a podcast, my very first entitled Slayer Stories. And the reason I'm grinning so hard as we start this is because this story is the very first story I ever recorded. Now, this story is part one of a trilogy. There's Her Way, His Way, and Changes by Dreamweaver. Now, before we get started, and before I tell you all about this new story that we're about to delve into, my number one thing that I have to stress This is an NC-17 rated story. That means there is explicit sexual content. Please, if you are underage, absolutely do not listen to this story. There is a lot of sex in this. Um, In fact, I will read you, when I read you the credentials, you'll see. This is not for the little ones or if sexual activity of this kind or hearing it is uncomfortable. I completely understand, but it lends to the story, so it must be part of it. Right, that out of the way, let me go ahead and start my introductions. This is Her Way by Dreamweaver. Rated NC-17. Summary. After Spike burns up in the Hellmouth, Buffy demands that the oracles send her back in time. Fandom Awards won. Judges' Choice winner at the Spark and Burn Awards. Runner-up for Best NC-17 and Best Pairing at the Sunnydale Memorial Fan Fiction Awards. Nominated in several categories in the Fang Fetish Awards, the Spuffy Awards, and the Rogue Poet Awards. Genre? Romance? NC-17 Fix Warnings Adult Language Sexual Situations This story is complete with five chapters and was originally published December 2008. Right, with all that out of the way, I'm so excited, so let's get started. Oh, and please forgive me for my poor impersonations of certain characters, namely Spike and Giles. I have not done them for a very, 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 very long time, and I hope, fingers crossed, that it'll still be worth listening to. Right, with all that out of the way, let's get to it. Happy listening. I want to speak to the powers that be. Angel and Lauren stared helplessly at Buffy. 
she stood in front of them, wearing that glowering, determined expression that Angel had seen before and knew with a sinking feeling meant that neither hell nor high water, and certainly no entity, human or otherwise, was going to stop her from getting her own way. Around them, the Hyperion Hotel was buzzing with the voices of Buffy's army. All the young slayers in training who had survived the battle, plus their mentors like Giles, Willow, Faith, and the others. The group had arrived a week ago after the destruction of Sunnydale and its Hellmouth. Giles was now the head of the new Council of Watchers, and had nearly completed arrangements for all of them to leave for a more permanent location. Buffy had been remarkably silent all week. But Angel had known from the grim look on her face that she was planning something. You can't speak to the powers that be, Buffy, Angel explained. Though there are channels. What channels? You've used them. Tell me. Well, Doyle and Cordy used to get visions. Visions, Buffy dismissed with an irritable flick of her hand. I want to talk to them. There are the oracles, suggested Lorne tentatively. Angel shook his head. They're dead. They're never dead. There will have been replacements. Replacements sound good. Buffy smiled with frightening satisfaction. Where do I find them? Angel knows, said Lorne and beat a hasty retreat. He didn't know what Buffy was planning, and he didn't want to know. He liked all of the SITs and Scoobies, but Buffy Summers scared him. He didn't have to ask her to sing to feel the intensity of rage and grief in her. And he didn't want to be anywhere near when she found an outlet for it. Under the post office? said Buffy incredulously. Well, I didn't choose the venue, muttered Angel, embarrassed. I'll show you. No. Draw me a map and tell me what I have to do to get my foot in the door. I'll do the rest alone. Buffy. No, Buffy said flatly, and Angel capitulated at the dangerous look she gave him. Now she stood in a cave lit by torches, staring at a white marble arch with words in a strange language written at the top of it. Gateway for lost souls was the translation, Angel had said. Pretentious. She tossed the powders Angel had given her into the brazier and said coldly, I want to talk to the representatives of the powers that be. You A disembodied male voice prompted. Yeah, yeah, whatever. There was a hesitation. Then the white marble blocks that filled the archway slid back into a white marble room. She strode in. At the far end of the room, two shallow steps led up to another archway that opened on a passageway that seemed to recede forever. Two figures were stepping out of it. Angel had spoken of a blonde man and a brunette woman, but now the colors were reversed. The woman was blonde, the man dark-haired, both dressed in black Grecian-style robes. Their skin was a metallic gold patterned with blue. They looked at once strange, beautiful, and entirely supercilious. 
What gift have you brought? The woman asked. Right. You want a gift. One gift. Buffy laid a rose made out of crystal on the marble table in the center of the room. Then she laid a real rose beside it. You choose. The woman smiled. A challenge. Amusing. The man frowned. You dare challenge us, lower being. Buffy scowled back. That's what I do. And I would have thought that higher beings would have learned courtesy. To all. The man's frown became thunderous. But the woman laughed suddenly. I like your style. What is it you want of us? Your oracles, you should know. Your vampire. Yes. We cannot bring him back. You can, said Buffy flatly. He burned from the inside out. He is ash on the wind. Find a way. Why should we waste time on such a petty, childish matter? The man demanded. You threw the creature away, and now you repent of it? Live with your error. She had thrown Spike away. Spurned him, rejected him. Always. Of course he hadn't believed her when she told him she loved him there in the Hellmouth. No, you don't. But thanks for saying it. And then he had chosen to burn up. Because all he had thought she was giving him was a sop for a dying man. The fact that the oracle was right did nothing to lessen her rage. She glared at him, shaking with fury, wanting to break him in half, wanting to tear this stupid, sterile, white marble tomb of theirs down around their arrogant, narcissistic ears. She dug her nails into her palms in an effort to control herself. She had spent the whole of the last week fighting not to let her rage and pain and grief tear the whole world down around the world's oblivious ears. You owe me. The powers that be owe me. How many apocalypses have I prevented? How much have I given up for the PTB? In this last battle, even the first evil, the ultimate evil, was defeated. And how many more champions do the PTB have for their cause now that all these new slayers have been unleashed all over the world? You owe me, Oracle. And I'm calling in the debt. Foolishness! The man flounced around, swirling his robes about him and stalking away down the passage. I have no time for this. He vanished. But the woman remained, looking at her thoughtfully while Buffy stood in the middle of the room and shook. So much rage in you. So much grief. Misdirected. At yourself. At the world. Strong emotions have power. The trick is to channel them to power your purpose. 
not broadcast them uselessly into the ether. I have only one purpose, and it is an entirely selfish one. But why not? You are free to be selfish now. She looked at the real and the crystal rose on the marble table, smiling enigmatically. Then touched the real rose lightly with her fingertip. Red, for passion, for love. But you rejected love, Buffy Summers the Slayer. You encased your heart in adamant. She tapped the crystal rose with her fingernail. You turned your heart into this. I was wrong. Yes. It might be amusing to find out, the oracle mused. She lifted the red rose and stroked it against her cheek. Soft. We cannot bring him back, Slayer. But you can. How? Temporal possibilities. That's what we play with. Time, like threads in a weave, forms its patterns. But any weave can be unraveled and woven again. If we unravel it, will you weave it differently, Slayer? What? We can take your essence and place it in your seventeen-year-old self again. If you wish to change the outcome, then it is you who must change the weave. Will you do it? You want to send me back in time? It would be amusing. She held the red rose in one hand, picked up the crystal rose in her other weighed them both thoughtfully. Real and artificial. Both beautiful. One has monetary value. The other only intrinsic worth. One is dead, and one is not. You wanted to find out which one we would pick, did you not? Yes, Buffy admitted. Life. Always life. She tossed the crystal rose negligently toward Buffy, and Buffy caught it without thinking. Go back and change events. Or remain here and accept what is. Your choice. And if I wish to go back? Destroy that rose. Destroy the wall you have built around your heart. Without hesitation, Buffy smashed the crystal rose on the marble table. The next thing she knew, she was lying on her back and Willow was staring down at her. Except it was a younger Willow. Her hair parted at the middle and tied tightly into two unflattering braids. Whoa! She pushed herself up onto an elbow. She was lying on the couch in the house at Ravello Drive, all of which was now part of the crater that was Sunnydale. Owie, my head hurts. What happened? 
I don't know, said Willow worriedly. I mean, we got to the house and you just collapsed. I think you hit your head on the floor. I know there's a carpet, but it was still quite a whack. Are you okay? Oh. Buffy rubbed the back of her head. I will be once this headache wears off. How'd I end up on the couch? I dragged you there, Willow frowned in concern. Do you think you should go to Emerge? Or to see a doctor or something? Passing out like that is so not of the good. Might be a sign of something serious. No, it's just... I... Uh, it's just that I didn't eat much today. Must have passed out from hunger, I suppose. Too worried about that session with Snyder, huh? Snyder? Forcing you and Sheila to make party favors and stuff for parent-teacher night on threat of expulsion? He's a serious rodent, muttered Willow. You do remember, right? Oh, right. She couldn't believe that she had ever worried about Principal Snyder. He seemed so unimportant now. After all the apocalypses and evil first and Sunnydale vanishing into a crater, she started to haul herself to her feet. She had to get some time to herself, to think, to process. I'm just going to get a glass of water. Let me do that, said Willow. You just stay off your feet for a while. Thanks, Will. There was a newspaper laying on the coffee table. She leaned over to look at the date. Monday, September 22nd, 1997. The Oracle had kept her word. She had sent Buffy's 23-year-old self back to her 17-year-old body, with all her memories intact which meant that she had a real chance of changing events over the next few years. It was going to be unnerving trying to pretend to be a teenager again, with all the teenage worries and concerns that now seemed so unimportant. Like the Snyder business and high school. God, having to go through high school again. Serious downer while also trying to hide what she really was from Willow and Xander and Giles. That was going to be tough. Should she hide it? She didn't know. She'd try it for a while and see how it worked out. Tell them only if she had to. On the plus side, keeping her mom and Spike from dying, changing a lot of the bad things that had happened. Oh, yes, there were a lot of pluses. Timelines. She tried to remember the sequence of events that had happened six years ago. Parent-teacher night had been Thursday. That was when Spike and his gang of vamps had come crashing into the school. Working backwards, then, she had first seen him two nights earlier, which would be Tuesday, which was tomorrow which meant that he and Drew were either in Sunnydale already or would be driving in tonight. Buffy? Buffy? She realized that Willow had been holding the glass of water out to her for some time. Oh, sorry, Will. She downed the glass without stopping for breath. She needed the cold water. It was either that or a stiff drink, which would freak everybody out, she being only 17 now. I think you should lie down, said Willow worriedly. I think I will, Buffy agreed to get Willow out of the house. She needed time to think, to plan. 
Selfish, the oracle had said. Damn right she was going to be selfish. Oh, she'd make with the sledge and the saving of the world shtick. She wasn't going to stop doing that. But she was through worrying about other people's opinions. She was through being Miss Goody-Goody with a stick up her ass. This time, she was going to have what she wanted. This time, things were going to go her way. It wasn't her Spike she was going to see tomorrow. Not the Spike with a soul. The reformed Spike who didn't eat people anymore. The loving Spike who looked at her like she was the center of his universe. That Spike was not going to be around for a very long time. The Spike she was going to see tomorrow was the unredeemed killer. The Spike who ate people and licked the blood off his fangs and laughed. The Spike who loved Drusilla and would tear Sunnydale apart to find a cure for her. The Spike who wanted to make Buffy the third notch on his slayer-killing belt. All of that was going to take some getting used to. Somehow, she had to find a way to keep him around until he changed. Somehow, she'd have to get a leash on him. A very long leash it would have to be, and spiderweb delicate. Otherwise, he'd roar with rage and rip it off if it killed him. Oh, she knew Spike. She had never allowed the knowledge to percolate into her consciousness in the other reality. But underneath, way down in her subconscious, she had always known him. She knew how he would react, knew all his buttons. And she was perfectly willing to lie, cheat, and manipulate to get him. Women were always more dangerous than men. Way more ruthless. Morality didn't exist when it came to what really mattered to them. She was going to be all badass this time. She was going to channel her inner faith. Don't think she hadn't noticed how he had reacted to faith. Sold up and all. Still, he hadn't been able to keep from flirting, lounging there in front of her half-naked on his cot. Damn him. Badass appealed to him. Appealed to the vamp that he was. The light held him. But the darkness pulled. She could be badass, no question. She, too, had darkness in her. That month they had nearly eaten each other alive, ripped each other apart, had proved it. Want, take, have. Faith's old motto. But there were variations to that. Not quite as destructive. It would be a juggling act. But she could do it. She went up to her room and studied herself in the full-length mirror. Little Miss Innocence. Her 23-year-old mind rebelled against that dewy 17-year-old body. The light gray slacks and purple top would pass, but the makeup and the hair? Didn't want to look like a hoe with too dramatic a look, but surely there is a way to get a tad more sophistication. Let's see. He liked her hair loose. She experimented. Parted to one side, leave her forehead bare, 
Not bad. She found a little gel to hold it in place, then tore through drawers and clothes closets, choosing and discarding, ending up with a look that satisfied her. Still innocent, but a little more elegant. A little more... sultry. She'd see how it went across in school the next day. God, could she be more shallow? But, hey, anything that worked, right? She needed something more dramatic for tomorrow night, though. That would be the first time Spike would see her. She needed something that would have impact. Something that would make an impression. What had she worn the last time? Some kind of dark pants, a pale blue top, some ridiculous shirt open over it when she got to the alley. Spike had once said that he had wanted her from the first time he saw her. But he had taken three years to come to that realization. This time, for her plans to work, she needed it to hit him right away. She heard the front door open and close. Mom! She flew down the stairs and flung her arms around her mother. Joyce nearly fell over with shock. Uh, Buffy, are you feeling all right? Buffy hugged her one more time, then stepped back, wiping at her eyes and ruining the new makeup. You're alive. I thought you were dead. I, I, I had a bad dream. It's nice that you're concerned, honey, said Joyce, pleased. But I'm not going to die for a long, long time. Gotta make sure of that, said Buffy under her breath. How are things at the gallery today? she asked aloud. Joyce told her, a long and convoluted story that a teenage Buffy normally would not have had the patience to listen to. The adult Buffy lurking in her head now not only listened and asked the right questions and laughed in all the right places, but found the tale interesting. Wasn't that a kick? They made dinner together, then watched television together while Buffy explored the contents of her purse. Why do I have a yo-yo in here? She muttered, and Joyce laughed. Still my little girl. What are you looking for, dear? I wanted to get a new outfit, and I was checking to see how much I had. Didn't your father give you a gift card for your favorite store a while back? Surely you haven't used it already. Ooh, I hope not. She hadn't. She went shopping after school the next day and wore the new outfit triumphantly to the bronze. Black leather pants, sleeveless black leather vest, with nothing but the briefest bra under it, so that it would show off her tanned arms and every now and then the odd peek at her toned abs. Sexy, but not overly so. Sleek. More grown up than anything that was presently in her closet. And from the way Xander's tongue was dragging on the floor? Effective. Whoa, new look, Buffy? Willow asked, looking good herself in her black pullover with her hair loose. Experimenting. Let's get back to the French. She sighed. Buffy couldn't see herself ever needing to use French, so she couldn't understand why they had to study it. It wasn't like she'd be able to go to Paris, what with the constant guard duty at the Hellmouth. And even adult Buffy was lousy at French. 
The reason she had been cramming her French at the bronze instead of at home the last time was because she had thought Angel would show. He hadn't, of course, but Spike had. Interesting, if one thought about it. Even back then, she could count on Spike to be there. Come on, one dance, Xander was saying. You've been studying for nearly twelve minutes. No wonder my brain's fried, said Buffy. Willow started to protest, then laughed as Buffy and Xander pulled her onto the dance floor. Buffy had her slayer sense fully extended. There, she thought, feeling that tingle of vamp presence, that oh-so-familiar signature that meant Spike. The last time she had felt that, the last time she had seen him, was in the Hellmouth, burning away into ash. She wanted to run to him, grab him, hold him tight, but this wasn't that spike. The band was playing Stupid Thing. She moved to the music, deliberately sensual and sexy, deliberately provocative, searching for him under her eyelashes. There, circling the dance floor in a leopard prowl, watching her. Tears stung her eyes at the sight of him. The familiar white blonde hair, black duster, fallen angel face, and beyond sexy body. She blinked the tears away. She couldn't afford that now. Had to play this very carefully. That face wasn't soft and tender, the way she was used to seeing it. Oh, there was lust there as he watched her dance. But behind it, that face was cold and hard, calculating and deadly. He turned and said something to a man, no, a vamp beside him. The vamp moved away obediently towards the back door of the bronze. A few minutes later, Spike was behind her, demanding, Where's the phone? I need to call the police. There's some big guy out there trying to bite somebody. Stay here she said to Xander and Willow, then headed for the alley, snatching her stake out of her purse on the way. He wanted a show? She would give him one. She wasn't the 17-year-old slayer still learning how to fight. She had six more years of moves in her head. She was experienced. Boy, was she ever experienced. She had sparred with the best. She had sparred with Spike and Angel, she had even sparred with Dracula with all his gypsy tricks. This vamp didn't have a chance. She pulled the vamp off his victim and told the girl coldly, Run! The girl, for once, with laudable common sense, obeyed. Slayer! snarled the vamp. Slay-y! she retorted, amused. Then proceeded to take him apart. She played with him like a cat with a mouse. None of his blows landed. He was nothing but a punching bag on which she could demonstrate her moves. All the different blows and kicks showing off. Always a canny adversary, Spike would be watching, studying her technique. She wanted him to know that when he took her on, 
he would be fighting the best. She wanted to be a challenge. He could never resist a challenge. At last, when the vamp could no longer even move, she staked him with a casual flick of her hand. Spike came out of the shadows, slowly clapping his hands. Nice work, love. She turned to face him, smiling. William the Bloody, she purred, her voice intimate and seductive. Hello, Spike. His brows rose. You know who I am. Your reputation precedes you. He grinned. Flattery will get you everywhere, but don't get a kid a pet. Knew you'd come. Darla and Angel were already here. Advance warning. I see. Is that past tense I hear? Sort of. Darla's gone. Dust. Ding dong, the bitch is dead. He shrugged, smiling. Never could stand that old cat. And Angelus? Had a change of soul and doesn't play with the other puppies anymore. Care to translate that? Long story. Maybe later. Why are you here, Spike? Came to kill you. He grinned at her, and she grinned back. Might have a problem with that. I'm... very good. Very... inventive. No subtlety. Everything right out there to startle, catch his attention, be unexpected, coming from a slayer. He laughed aloud. Are you now? Especially in... The Little Deaths. His eyes flared with laughter. <laughs> My favorite. Might take you up on that, love. Any time. He licked his teeth. Want to get it on? Be glad to oblige. Gotta warn you, though. Takes a guy with a lot of staying power to keep up with me. They were circling each other slowly, the first steps of the long dance, both of them smiling. His eyes were alight. He was enjoying himself. His thumbs were tucked into his belt, fingers framing his groin. Her hands were in her back pockets, arcing her back and thus emphasizing her breasts. His gaze ran over them and his tongue curled behind his teeth. Oh, I've got staying power, pet. Should I demonstrate? Why not? Her gaze deliberately copied his, running down over his torso to linger below his belt. Think you can take me? They were both laughing, their parted lips only a breath away, teasing each other with their open mouths as they circled. You're bad, Slayer he said, delighted. You have no idea. He leaned forward, clearly tempted, then caught himself. Saturday. Why wait? She purred. Scared? That really amused him. Not of fighting. Or of fucking he said, laying it out right in the open as he always did, straightforward as ever.
got a lot of years of experience, but in both. Never had one like me, pet, she mocked. She had to keep him amused and intrigued, had to keep him coming back for more. Spike had told her what Faith had said to him once, and she used it now, deliberately. I could ride you at a gallop until your legs buckled and your eyes rolled up. I've got muscles you've never even dreamed of. I could squeeze you until you pop like warm champagne, and you'd beg me to hurt you just a little bit more. His eyes went black as his pupils dilated. She could see the heat flare within them. His mouth opened to say something. They leaned slowly, hypnotically towards each other. Then, What the hell? Xander's voice exclaimed. What's going on? Neither of them had heard the back door of the bronze opening. They both whipped around to see Willow and Xander staring at them. Sold this for a game of soldiers, Spike muttered furiously under his breath. He had clearly remembered who he was and who she was, and that anything but death between them was wrong. He pointed a finger at her, almost brushing her nose, and said violently, Saturday, I kill you, Slayer. Then he whirled and was gone, black leather disappearing into black shadow in an instant. Well, that's it for this episode. I hope you've enjoyed. This has been Chapter One of Her Way. Written by Dreamweaver. Narrated by Saird. Theme music, Spirited Away. For the next little while, while November's Secret, my other ongoing chaptered audio fic is on hiatus, I will be oscillating fics between this one and Nothing Endures But Change, the next in the Joy in the Midst of These Things series. If you're interested in more SAF content, please be sure to visit my website, sardsaudiofanfix.com. Especially head over to the Let's Chat page right at the top, where it will take you to where we have our open voting for our next fix. If you scroll down, you'll find all the information you need to make your decision, and you can vote up at the top. Also, you'll find links to our Discord. It's not a big community, but we're slowly growing. And if you ever want to chat or get a hold of me, it's the absolute best way to do so. I also mentioned at the end of chapter 15 of November's Secret that I had a big, big news coming, and that is also talked about and explained more in detail on the Discord. So if you're interested, please absolutely check us out. Also, I have started uploading all of my audio fix that are found on the podcast onto YouTube. The November Secret chapters are updating Friday and Saturday, and any new fix will update the Monday after they air on the podcast. So if you're interested or just want to support us, please absolutely head over there and give a like or subscribe. The new big project that I mentioned will also be on YouTube and on Twitch that I'm setting up. So please be sure to like, subscribe so that you're the first to know when new things start happening. All right, with all that out of the way, next week should be chapter one of Nothing Endures But Change, a Modao Zushi fan fiction. And then the week after that, we will have 
chapter two of Her Way. So please be sure to tune in for that. And until then, happy listening. In business, you rarely hear the expression for life. You make a purchase for a product, for a service, and, and there's, a, there's a time frame there. Well, that's not the case with Awaken 180 weight loss. Allow me to explain. You know, a year ago, I started with Awaken 180 weight loss and had incredible success losing weight. But you can lose all the weight in the world and not keep it off. And what good is it? That's why I have support for life from Awaken 180. Yeah. I mean, I go back for check-ins and make sure everything's going smoothly. But if I ever had a problem, the counselors are there to get me back on track. Why don't you do what I did and call for a consultation? 844-346-1800. 844-346-1800. Or go to awaken180weightloss.com.